0: to Scots Whiskey Explorers, a podcast where we discuss everything there is to discuss about whisky. I'm Stuart and I'll be joined by Peter on each episode, where we will ask the questions and seek out the answers that are prompted by our love of whisky. If you want to know more about how we came to be making this podcast, please have a listen to the Season 1 trailer. In Season 1, we will be focusing on the fundamentals of single malt Scotch whisky production. Everything from barley to fermentation to maturation will be examined and explored in exhaustive detail. If you'd like to know more about Scott's Whiskey Explorers, or if you'd like to get in touch to leave comments or suggestions, please go to www.scottswhiskeyexplorers.com. You can also find us on Twitter, at Whiskey Scots. Thank you for listening to Scott's Whiskey Explorers, we hope you enjoy it. Now, please sit back, relax, pour yourself a tram, and enjoy our conversation about distilling. Hello Stuart, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, how are you doing? I not
1: bad at all, I see, you, see you're back in the den. Back we'll in be, the shed, back yeah, in we'll the shed, be, yep. we restricted, well all of Scotland restricted now, oh so COVID, Covid carries on apace.
0: Oh, mm. mm. huh? well, well uh, I think
1: fantasize that the last of a, the last recording we might actually get in your get in your shed do a recording share <laughs> a draft not to be this time. Not
0: the, not this time. Maybe next time but um yeah. it's maybe maybe worthwhile just skirting over the whole COVID thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well we have come to talk about whiskey haven't we? Not not about COVID.
0: Yeah. Yeah and
1: we've, we've moved on a pace we've got we're deep inside the distillery now and I suppose we're at the bit that's maybe that's maybe the most glamorous or seen as the most glamorous and the most beautiful we've got you know come through all the the more mechanical and industrial processes not that distilling isn't an industrial process but this this is the the high the high-end stuff where the beautiful stills are sitting there highly polished and they're waiting to do to do the alchemy for us now I I, th- I can understand that point of view, but I'm I'm hoping that maybe what's come through and the stuff that we've put be- done before and shown just now, up to this point, is that there's got most like an alchemy at every level. I I certainly felt that at fermentation. I haven't gone into thinking, well, this is quite simple. You're just making beer, and then realizing just how much was involved, all the complexities and whichever yeast you use, what sort of different flavours that you might get depending on your yeast mixes, and I, I, well, I was quite taken aback at that and, and maybe had underestimated at the outset just how difficult that
0: was. You're right on the money there, I think, because prior to, prior to embarking on this project, I mean, we we're, were both familiar with the processes to a degree, but there's a, there's a, a huge amount of esoteric magic, black magic going on you know, I, n- I never really delved that deeply into, uh, you know, what happens in a mash tun, what happens in the wash bag, okay, like you say, there's a cursory kind of, alright, yeah, that's what happens, and blah, 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 and you never really give it too much thought, but then you start looking a little bit deeper, and it starts turning into something that's really quite complex and bewildering, in some fashion as well, but then th- that kind of esoteric, alchemy viewpoint of so when you move into the stillhouse, it's kind of obvious what the stills are doing you can just by looking at it, if you if you if you've never come across a still before and you look at it and you you can kind of glean what what's going on there a little bit but then there's i think there's even more kind of hidden knowledge and esoteric stuff that that's going on in the stills so there's there's a kind of veneer of yeah this is quite simple but actually there's there's more again as we've just as we found out on every episode, there's more again to delve into, more details to contemplate.
1: Yeah, and we shared I think with ourselves, and then later with friends who've been listening about, um, about the worry at the outset of that we were somehow going to puncture and puncture the magic. I actually feel the opposite. You know, of, although we've gone in some quite long journeys in, of understanding, I, I feel I come back with more mesmerised. With just how complicated the processes are, yeah, I've, my knowledge has been increased, but it, it's not destroyed any of the magic. It's actually filled by senses of, of, of wonder.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, But I suppose also what we, I suppose we have to remember what where we're at in this the the distilling process. We've we've got alcohol already. You know, we've, we've talked about the barley, the molten, adding some peat there. You know milling, mashing, and the fermentation process yeah. and, and at that we've, we've now got some alcohol, so I suppose, I, mean, I suppose I was trying to say a word of caution, that, that there's not all the magic is happening in the still. what the stills are doing in the first instance is reducing the amount of water in, in, in the, the beer that we, we've got, that we've made thus far, in the first, the first run of the distillation and and in the second run you're you're concentrating mm-hmm. that all and refining it you'll know, see so you, what you at the end here you want ethanol although distilling is in this form is pretty inefficient so the ethanol you produce it has impurities in it because ethanol itself is, has no flavor or color but that's certainly not what you certainly don't get much color um coming off even the at the spirit at the end but it's definitely not flavorless yeah, yeah those impurities that create the the flavor in the whiskey
0: yeah and so, actually we'll we'll get into that big topic of you know the, the 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 flavor of your new make spirit compared with the flavor that's coming out of the cask the flavor of the spirit that's coming out of the cask you know what's What's happened there? I mean, that, that's going to be an interesting one when we get to that, because tasting unique spirits, really interesting to 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 see what's what's coming off the stills and what what is it that's going into into the oak casks, and then comparing that with what comes out the other side is there's a huge huge conversation going on there, literally. <laughs> yeah. Well, both human and chemical. Yeah. So. I
1: suppose what what we also were trying to do is get a sense of the distillation process. It's the interaction of those stills with the liquid that's inside that's creating this magic, this magical liquid that will end up calling whiskey. But what we're trying to do is kind of break that down a little bit. You know, we talk up one and we'll see how far we get because we also talked about maybe shortening. The amount of time that we spend at, at a time I mean, we'll still get through the whole process but we might break it down a wee bit into smaller bites but so we can we can over the next around distilling there's kind of like some headlines maybe that are worth thinking about in terms of the history of distilling the actual process mm-hmm. the materials that are involved how, how those are structured and and relate to one another and then and the chemical reactions that are going on and, and and that and all that resulting in the, the flavors, and, and trying to understand a little bit about where those flavors are coming from because I think what I was struck by in this is that there are some very quite difficult chemical processes going on that I can't uh, begin to understand, and and maybe to get a bit bogged down in them is to miss the point because you know, there is like you were mentioning there's a kind sort of esoteric alchemy going on here, and if we can try and kind of Give an overview of what those flavours are, where they're coming from. I think that will be more than enough. We'll, people will recognise the, the words that we'll be using.
0: Yeah, and, and neither of us are chemists, so there's no point in in trying to pretend <laughs> <laughs> that we know the difference between a an aldehyde and a and a furfural. <laughs> All
1: these long chain fatty acids.
0: Yeah, I think the, um, it's, it's maybe worth just briefly pointing out that we we we, we had a wee chat and we're... Thinking about try, you know, be a bit more concise and uh, as much as we like a, a, a good uh, dram-fueled rambling chat, it's, made, it's maybe a bit easier on the ear of the listener if, we, if we're a little bit more concise and terse in our uh, examinations of the subject at hand.
1: Yeah, we've up to uh, we've up to professional quotient or professionalism. Yeah, I think well. As well as actually, just the the processes do become quite complicated. So being a uh, more coherent is probably all the better. But uh, and and as as we were thinking, you know, think these things can appeal a wee bit misty. Even even the actual history of distillation seems a little bit lost in the mist of time. And you uh, you had some thoughts on that before about where where you'd heard it had, had come from.
0: Uh, I well. What was surprising to me was maybe not surprising It's, it's maybe quite logical that some of the equipment that was used was obviously of the of the time we're talking centuries ago obviously um when ceramic or maybe even glass stills were used we're talking i imagine quite small affairs quite small contraptions but from what i was able to kind of discern from what i was reading there's this alchemical kind of magic that was happening was was conducted by, in the early days, not, it wasn't conducted by laymen, it wasn't conducted, it wasn't, these experiments and such like were not undertaken by the ordinary man in the field. And it, by and large, it was in the hands of the religious communities, the monks and such like, who then, uh, after the dissolution of the monasteries, that information that they had gathered up over centuries of, you know, how to distill liquids, that, all, of, all of that knowledge got dispersed amongst the population. So when the monasteries are dissolved and the, the priesthood are, 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 are find themselves dispersed amongst the population, that knowledge kind of dissipates amongst the general population and the the monks, who, the people who are previously monks, might find themselves be, becoming employed as... Uh, in an agricultural setting, so your farmers then become the the holders of the information and the knowledge, and that then leads to the. Eventually, you're you're looking at your farm distilleries. Really, I think
1: that's a nice way of putting it. Because I I like you, you kind of looked at the history, and you you can imagine that it was. Well, I was imagining like one person. Well, who would that one person be? And you, clearly, that that's that's not the case from how you're describing it. There were some suggestion that you know like maybe as early as the, as the third century Egyptians were distilling, and I think if I remember rightly, the word alcohol comes as uh, a corruption of Egyptian words. The call we see, you know, if you were drawing a picture of an Egyptian, they'd have heavy eyeliner, and that that the call is a uh, is a heavy eyeliner. Right, And then maybe later some like, you know, there's lots of reference to Irish missionaries or Irish priests, even as early as the 5th and 6th centuries and certainly China and more Arabic countries were distilling but making perfume, uh, you know, they were distilling flowers or, or petals. And then some later on talking about uh, the Moors bringing distilling to you no, know, another, another group of Arabs, Bringing distill into Scotland, to Europe
0: into Spain. Yeah, I think with the with the flow of the population and the, the transit the transit of communities and migrations of, of populations from the Middle East or, or or maybe even further east than that, you know, it's it's, it's known that the, the, the that that uh, movement of peoples through Southern Europe, they were obviously going to be bringing their knowledge and their expertise with them, and I think it's generally. Kind of widely understood that the distillation process was something that originated in the middle east at least. Yeah
1: and I, I it was a bit later on when I, that I actually individuals started to get in in the stuff I was reading started to get mentioned and that, I quite enjoyed the story of a guy called uh, Ramon Lull or Lull and his pal Arnold de Villanova so they, they were based in Mallorca and uh, I think once you, I get to the end of this, you'll understand <laughs> why it seems so ridiculous. But apparently, uh, Ramon fermented wine in horse dung.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I'm struggling to understand how you would do that. However, let, let's move swiftly on. And then, and then somehow distilled the the following the the product of that fermentation into this, you know, this magical elixir. Now, I can't imagine. It's only going to go one of two ways, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, maybe, you know, maybe about, you know, I think about the 1200s, this this fella, I lived in 1200s, this fella, Ramon, was doing this. And maybe folk had a slightly different attitude to horse stuff. <laughs> the story sounds like horse shit, doesn't it? <laughs> but, so, you know, if you're using those components, I would imagine you're gonna to have to have to make some from pretty fantastic claims from this elixir of life that comes out at the other end. That did make me laugh. And I, and and it sounded so ridiculous, I was beginning to think I was in some kind of truth or dare game, you know, that it is this you no know, can you distinguish the right story Well
0: maybe maybe it's maybe it's testament to the um transformative qualities of distillation. <laughs> 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 I mean, we're not turning water into wine. We're turning horse shit into whiskey. <laughs> 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 they have a label. And see if the marketing men get hold of that? They'd love it.
1: Yeah. Well, I've seen draft coming out of the uh, coming out of the distillery, and it does look porridgey and grassy. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> but I mean, that that's obviously going to be a, a stage. It wasn't the, the one guy just thought one day, hey, I'm going to distill barley. I'm gonna oh, well, I'm gonna mash it, I'm gonna ferment it, I'm gonna distill it and turn it into whiskey. It was it was an afterthought of beer predates whiskey. Yeah. Wine predates whiskey. So I think it's just the the, the the natural curiosity of the human mind is thinking, okay, we've got this beer, we've got this wine, what happens? You know, the, these guys are, like you say, distilling botanicals and, and such like to make perfumes and you know the natural inclination is to go okay what happens if we distill this beer or distill this wine and there you go no need for horseshit <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it's a miracle <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but
1: suffice to say although there's all sorts of clean, well maybe uh, distilling came to Scotland from Ireland but it, it, it didn't distilling didn't originate in Scotland I think so it would be suffice to say
0: well I think I mean the Scotland and Ireland are, are are so intrinsically linked over millennia in a multitude of ways that I, I don't think it's worth even making a distinction. Really, I don't. Uh, if making bread was a, a procedure that wasn't native to either Ireland or Scotland, and and somebody somewhere turned up and made bread in either Ireland or Scotland, you know, the next morning it's going to be in. Next door, you know, so it's it's a uh, it, it's a red herring, isn't it? The whole Scotland Ireland thing. True enough. Yeah. Well, and even their own family's
1: histories would would attest to that. I think. Nah.
0: Uh, I tell you, I got an inter- an argument with a guy in the, in the in the pub once when I was ordering Irish. I was in I was in the bond and uh, and I thought, well, I, I quite fancied. I don't know that much about Irish whiskey, so I'm just going to spend the evening sampling some Irish whiskies. And there's was a, a loud drunk guy at the, at the bar, he hit, overheard me ordering, chatting with the bar and go, what Irish whiskey have you got and blah blah, blah red breast and powers and spot and all that so I was like all oh, right okay let's try, I think it was a red breast and uh and the guy standing next to me at the, at the bar took great offense at this and went why are you ordering that? Well, he, he, he wasn't a Glaswegian, he was from elsewhere, he wasn't Scottish either so and I went well it's you know we're all we're all, you know, we're all kind of Irish anyway, aren't we? <laughs> and uh, oh, he didn't like that. He uh, took umbrage and was uh, getting quite agitated. <laughs> <laughs> had to be, uh, had to be um, persuaded to calm down. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it, was, it surprised me how how much offence he took it. it somebody ordered Irish whiskey. What's going on there?
1: I think in general you you've caught on to some there, shirt that. Not everyone I know, but quite a lot of folk I you know take take the whiskey that they drink quite seriously, and it, it does arouse passions. Yeah, and there's there's nothing quite lights up a room like a really awful whiskey. <laughs> and well, maybe you we should just put that that out there. Maybe um, but, well, there are issues about taste, of course, but not everyone loves every whiskey.
0: No. Well that's 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 part of the uh, the joy of it. it was, there's there's always another whiskey, you know. We're never gonna get to the end of it. There's always there's always another whiskey.
1: But we, well, I suppose there is there is one person does get a bit of a does get a bit of a mention in terms of establishing a point, a written point in or a point in written history mm-hmm. or the establishment of, of distilling essentially in Scottish history, and that's our uh, that's the old man. Friar Friar John Corr.
0: Yeah.
1: I can remember actually d- drinking some five hundred year old oh, not, not five hundred year old <laughs> to celebrate five hundred years of, of distillation in Scotland and that oh, wow. so that must have been
0: nineteen
1: ninety five. Yeah. As he's his that fourteen ninety five, isn't it? And he's given brother John Corr a number of balls of malt to make aquavit. Yeah,
0: I'm just I'm just going to go and grab a book because uh, the eight balls of malt I always wondered
1: how um, much whiskey could you make with that.
0: Yeah, and I was reading another day, and the book's just next door.
1: So, and well, I suppose also it was it was a a royal project. It was for the King James the
0: Yeah,
1: <clears throat> and I suppose a wee, another wee noodly fun fact is that that was at Lindos Abbey, which is. A distillery that, that has that distillery's recently reopened there in the last few years.
0: I bet I won't be able to find. There's no index in this book either, so it's... Ah, here we go. So this is um, Ian Buxton's annotations to Anais MacDonald's whiskey. Yeah. Ian Buxton does a great job at um, making notes all the way through the book. It's, it just really makes it highly enjoyable. Not that it would, wouldn't be without it, but, but he really adds something and he says it was, of course, Friar John It has been calculated that with modern apparatus around 1,500 bottles of whiskey could be distilled from eight balls. That's around about 0. 0.4 tonnes, though we do not know at what strength Cor would have distilled his spirit. Alternatively, other sources suggest that he would have produced around 130 litres of alcohol or 420 bottles in present day terms. That's you know. so a, a
1: cask of whiskey, really, or well, maybe two, two. If you were doing the uh, well, yeah. I'm not doing that in the bourbon. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure whiskey came first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and well, even I've made a whopping big assumption there that he'd then be maturing that. Oh, aye, aye. Well, there's a thing that's so. Fifteen hundred bottles of whiskey from eight balls. Oh, there you
0: go. Yeah, but uh, I mean, that's just the first written account. So,
1: yeah. uh, well, it's a nice, it's a nice fun fact. You have got to start somewhere, haven't you? Yeah. And I, 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 think that was the. We can mention that there's a the actual sense of where it started. I, I don't have any sense of anyone really knowing for. It's it's an educated guess, isn't it? Say wow. that it came from the east, but. That has been and it begins to over time begins to coalesce and maybe for Scottish purposes, Friar John Coors the, the first person that we that we stick that name to isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. And there was did they not down at Lindores did they not when they were when they were breaking the ground to to build that distillery at Lindores Abbey did they not find um, was there not evidence of 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 distilling taking place on that site?
1: I, I I have no idea. I, I, that's that's news yeah. to me. That's really interesting that there would still be that just sitting there.
0: Yeah. I, I, I don't,
1: that's the site. That site has been continuous mm-hmm. for as long as that, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. However, if you think about the distilling process, I, I I don't know about you, but I was struck by how how many different names there were for the same thing.
0: Uh, it's caught me out a few times, yeah even
1: even the stills I know we, we were pointing out so i I think before we'd spotted a a new still arriving somewhere at a distillery, and what the headline was saying was something like you know new spirit still at this particular distillery but the, the and then the distillery manager was quoted of talking about the low wine still, and it was very clearly. the photograph you could distinguish that it says low wine still written on it because quite often there'll be and a capacity will be written on it and but that wasn't any fault of any because those those are those names apply to that particular still and you know so it's low wines that go in spirit comes out but and and similarly there are other other what you call the the actual final spirit run what arise first in the middle in the end have all got different names as well but I suppose
0: it might be worth Pointing out that no, no matter what Scottish distillery you go to, no matter how many stills they've got in the still room, they might have two stills, or they might have. How many's Macallan got up there? About sixty.
1: Yeah, I think it's, is that not thirty six? Um, three. That's in the new distillery.
0: Yeah, but what's yeah. What, what's worth noting is that they will all have a a, a wash still, and they'll all have. Uh, a spirit or a low wine still, and if you've got thirty six, if you're at McAllen and the new McAllen and they've got thirty six, then um, it's a uh, logical assumption to make that half of them will be wash stills and half of them will be spirit stills.
1: it works slightly different at Macallan. Right, they have two wash stills to one low wines or spirit still. So that's how the that's how the thirty six came ahead because they have them have the spirits the stills configured in a circle right so two wash stills feed one low wine still wow but it's still a two to one ratio so uh, so they they do that in a circle so they've got in each of those circles there are yeah 12 stills three sets you know so there'll be eight wash stills and four low wine stills wow and i mean that's just the new one there's there's two other Macallan distilleries that share that configuration, and I probably have to go and take my shoes and socks off and count all my fingers and toes, <laughs> <laughs> just how many stills are in those other buildings? Because they, they were, you know, they've they've had many many stills for quite a long time, and I think that well, I suppose we'll come to shapes and stuff like that, but I think for Macallan in particular, they've got particularly small chunky stills, so. There's probably something in that ratio of this the spirit to wash stills.
0: Shall we de- shall we decide what we're going to call them and try and stick with that?
1: I, th- I think we should call them low wine stills. Okay. Because that's what goes in. Because the wash still, it's wash that goes in.
0: Yeah.
1: And well, and even if we can, so if we can chart uh, the journey,
0: uh-huh. so
1: you're starting with wash charger, so that that's you've gathered your beer
0: from the fermenters
1: yeah and that goes into the wash still goes through a condenser and through the spirit safe i'm I'm drawing a picture here with my finger it's like it's like nodding on the radio is not it so we've got through the condenser and the spirit safe and then we they're called low wines and they're collected in the low wines receiver then that is collected up into a A charge, when you charge the still that's into the low wine still and you boil that up again, goes through the condenser, through the spirit safe and into the spirit's receiver it's now changed from low wines into spirit, it's alcohol has increased in each of those processes and it's been in the latter stage, it's been divided up and for our purposes I think we we thought about this before. We thought four shots first, middle cut, and faints. Those were our, our favorite words. But the middle cut becomes the spirit, and that's collected in the spirit's receiver, and will eventually become it is the new make, and will eventually become whiskey.
0: That sounds ideal.
1: Yeah, it's just as well we didn't have a committee to decide that. <laughs> <laughs> We've done the history. We, we understood that other folk have been through this process before. The wash charger is where we're holding our beery liquid and you picked up that, that then that that goes into the wash still but am i right in thinking that has to be heat, it, it's heated up before it goes there's, in there
0: yeah there's there's a bit of heat applied um just to kind of just to kick start the, the process really and, and, and get things warmed up beforehand it's usually kind of preheated and pumped or maybe gravity fed into the into the wash still to about two-thirds capacity so you're 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 boiling it up, you're boiling up your your wash, and for those people that have seen a spirit safe before, you you might be familiar with the, the spouts, that the low wines are discharged into the bowl in the in the spirit safe, and on that spout there's sometimes a wee a wee flap that moves, and I I always thought what's that for? Is that that's not going to stop? But well, I don't, I don't you know why is that? But it turns out that's the first signal that the distiller gets when the wash still is hot enough that there's gases coming over
1: hey,
0: brilliant to co- and, and those gases are your first sign that you know we're, we're, we're cooking here things are moving mm. and that little flap starts moving with the, the the pressure of the the gases coming over the still or the line arm and that's the the, the distiller's first point of really watching, okay I need to watch my temperature now because my temperature's been, I've been really cooking the cooking the, the, the wash, I've been boiling it up but I need to be careful that if I boil it too hard and just it froths up it might be even like a, a thicker vapour, like a really heavy mist that might go over and foul up the distillation so if the distiller's got his eyes on the spout, you can see that little flap moving. Okay, here we go, chaps. We just need to watch the watch the temperature there and keep a close eye on things. But there's also those. It's only the the wash stills that have those windows in them. And if you if you check out any photos and just still rooms, you'll see one of the stills will have a window halfway up the neck, and the other one won't. And I'd always thought, why is only one of them got the window, surely? But it's actually, that's always the wash still that has the window because it's the one that has the propensity, the wash has the propensity to boil over. And that's not something that happens as a matter, of course, in the low wine still. So. Yeah.
1: I, I, I picked up when I was reading Charlie McLean, he, he was suggesting that a shorter fermentation would create a livelier wash quite why what the, the chemistry of that is he, mm-hmm. he didn't say and I, I haven't actually seen it anywhere else but that that sounds like so there would be a, a more likely to create the froth as was there's also a an allowed additive into the distillation which is soap
0: no horseshit
1: no not this time and <laughs> um, just a small amount you no know, you don't need you know as a it, it it just takes the edge off of that froth, yeah. but it it too might have the consequence. I I was reading that it might create more mist and vapor that will carry those heavier alcohols and the and the undes- with undesirable flavors. It'll ca- It might carry them more quickly over the over the and in, into the the distill into the wash still or over the wash still. So it sound, all sounds like quite a quite a precarious experience. So you're not wanting. Heat that wash too hard, it's going to be. And I think we'll certainly we've talked about. We'll come back later about what talking about how that is the means to heat that. But that that froth will build up, and I think is it something like called like breaking the head. If that once that froth dies down, you you can you're okay. You're okay to go.
0: Okay.
1: But also not every not every uh, still's got one of those big glass windows to see when the froth's coming up. And I think there are, there's at least, at least spring back. I can remember seeing that there's a, like a wooden ball on a string. And you, if you pull the string, it dings against the top of the, the still. And obviously then makes a particular sound that when the vapour is, is in that particular part of the still. So, yeah. And I think that's, that's got a name as well. But um, I think it's something like a... Uh, yeah, sounding the charge so that, that that's the name for the the what the liquid that's in the still isn't it? that's the charge you've charged sure. up your
0: if you're working at Springbank, then you're gonna have to really kind of attune your ears to the different pitches of what sounds are happening and it, does that mean it's too high or does it you know that's quite a quite a subtle yeah. skill that you're developing there
1: yeah, and well, I mean, again, there's so much in this because you're, what you're trying to do then is boil that that liquid to allow the alcohol to be released, but in a particular way because you want the alcohol to interact with the material that the stills are made of, which is copper, of course, which is in the first instance it's malleable. You can make it into shapes.
0: Yeah,
1: it's, it's a good conductor of heat, and it's particular the particular qualities of copper interact. With the alcohol, they change the chemical formulations when it's boiling, and interact with it to 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 take out the the more abrasive and u- yeah. ugly yeah. taste formulations. All these long chain fatty acids that we talked about that but mess out in that still.
0: As far as I know, you won't. I've never seen or heard of anything other than copper being the the, the metal of choice and all the distillers. I mean, apart from that, I've heard about wooden column stills in in some rum production somewhere I don't know whether I don't know what rum producing region it was but I mean but in Scotland at least it's all copper pot stills and there's copper everywhere I mean it's the the condensers that we'll move on to and and everything's copper and I presume that's because they want to encourage as much copper contact as possible to allow the copper to carry out its kind of extractive procedures i i imagine it as if it's the copper grabbing onto all the kind of bad things in, in the liquid and the copper just grabs onto those bad elements and allows the the more flavor some tasty liquid to pass on,
1: on yeah the, i think there's, there's, certainly i'm picking up there is something about that immediate interaction between the copper and the liquid and then later this, and again stuff we'll, we'll have to come to back to is a bit about this notion of reflux where the alcohol is re, re-boiled it falls back into the still we'll, we'll definitely come back to it but now I'm, I'm beginning to doubt myself because I've I've shared this with you I think before and part of the reason to be questioning copper is because it's expensive and it wears out certainly <laughs> compared to other metals like stainless steel which is apparently easier to clean but also it's clearly it's a harder metal so it's not. It's not going to have anything like the same interaction with the liquid that's inside it. Yeah. But l- legend has it that, or, or your and your choice of stainless steel would be more budget driven. I would imagine because it's it's less expensive and lasts longer. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure legend has it that Lefroy experimented with stainless steel stills. <laughs> and I've gone back and looked at the configuration of Lefroy's stills, and I I can't I can't work it out. Where it would have been, whether because they they installed a big spirit still on the Freud a few years ago, that you know it's way bigger than the near neighbours, and I had imagined it, but I'd imagined that it's because it, it was a wash still.
0: Shall we? But, should we? I'm just thinking the right. If, so if that's something that you you've you've picked up, but you're not 100 percent sure on, how about the first listener to contact us. <laughs> with verifiable evidence that this stainless steel Laphroaig still existed, we'll, we'll send him a dram or two.
1: That, that, sound, that sounds like a, a worthwhile task, a worthwhile challenge. There you go. Campbell, right. the manager of <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: He's getting off. Send us a couple of drums. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so, and also, I, I picked up elsewhere as well that, there there may be stainless steel used within the process but you know the stills fall into three parts you'll know, get the, the bowl at the bottom the neck and then and the bit that curves over the line arm so mm-hmm. the one part that any research has been done on in terms of the, the construction of those particular parts of the stills is the one that would have the least negative consequences would be if your wash still the bowl at the bottom of it was made from stainless steel After that, everything else is going to... There's going to be less interaction with the spirit. There's going to be less interaction with all those flavour congeners, or congeners, and that's going to affect the final quality of the the spirit that's coming out of the low wine still.
0: Because the bowl is not playing a part in the reflux, the distillation kind of copper contact. The bowl is just... A receptacle holding the, the boiling liquid so there's there's no is there any need for that to be copper maybe maybe there's not then
1: i think that's a good point in terms of when you think about the amount of volume that's going to be down there in terms of it you know the, that volume to contact with the surface area mm-hmm. compared to further up where the vapor is going to be in there's there's a smaller surface to volume area yeah contact and that's a, that's a good deduction actually about where because I wasn't really thinking that through. When I was thinking the experience, It's much more about, oh, so somebody's actually worked it out. If you where to put stainless steel in the process without damaging the quality of the whiskey.
0: Well, I know that there's some uh, schools of thought that it's okay and it's there's no ad, adverse effect if you insulate the bowl of the still. So ins, insulating it is is only, the only thing that's going to happen there is you're going to um, allow the, the the liquid inside to retain that heat and, and, and it's going to be an effective use of your heat energy but you, you wouldn't want to insulate any further up you wouldn't want to insulate the shoulder or the or the the neck or the line arm because that's where you want it you want the vapors to be coming into contact with that metal that's colder so it, it, it can the, the the vapor condenses on the On the surface of the copper and just briefly talking about that there's not to diverge too much but recently I saw pictures of the still I think it's just the wash still or I can't remember I'll need to go and look up but at Fetter Cairn there's a what do they call it there's a a ring placed around the top of the neck that disgorges cold water down the outside Mm -hmm. of the still and that will be presumably to cool the metal down and to encourage more condensation and therefore more copper contact
1: yeah well i don't think they're the only one and in fact they're not even the only one in that in that white mackay group who do that
0: right yeah
1: I th- dalmore's got quite unusual shape stills in fact they've got a copper water jacket okay around the head of the stills and i think um, if i'm right as well the, the stills aren't conventional you know that arc of old neck line arm, they're they're much more flattened. So there are there are outliers out there. You know, for all the so called traditional shape of stills, and you get a sense actually, there's not nobody's actually set out working out what's the perfect shape for a still, or there's no real research into what shape of the still should be. It's much more driven by that whatever it really means to tra- tradition within the distilling industry. Well,
0: you, and, you, do, you you do hear. You do hear certain distilleries saying that the shape of their still is integral to the the character of their spirit. You know, their tall, thin stills leading to light, elegant spirit because there's there's more chance for reflux and there's more copper contact. You don't really hear many people saying, yeah, we love our really short, squat stills because they give us a, a really heavy, pungent, beefy character that's not had that much reflux you don't hear that quite so much but maybe that's just
1: that's exactly a description of McAllen spirit stills they're wide and fat and they've got a very fast angle off of off of the still right so th- that would suggest a, a lower ratio of of copper to vapor contact so sure, we were mentioning as well about you no, know, those three parts distills, you know, they're all all made of copper. And certainly any distillery I've been to recently, you can see there are very smooth lines between the bowl and the neck. And, and you know, for the most part, for the line arm, I haven't been to many where there was a very odd or eccentric arrangement. But I was picking up that that, that design hasn't always been the same, that it was actually Forsyth and Rothus. We developed a technique for being able to weld these plates together, so they look smooth I and mean, create these really quite beautiful art lines. Or prior to that, it'd been um, rivets that had been used to get all the all the plates together, and there are still one or two around, uh, Middleton and Ireland. There stills have still got rivets in them, and so if you're if you're looking up. A picture of Middleton get happened to be the stills are there. You can very clearly see that the panels are, have been riveted together, as opposed to those much more clean flowing lines that you may be more associate with with uh, stills that we've seen more recently ourselves. And I suppose we're also picking up there's a convention that the wash stills will be larger than the spirit stills, mainly because it's a reducing process, isn't it? You know, you're going to have less at the end than you than you started. You really need as big a vessel to boil up second time around, and that—that's by and large the convention. But of course, there are outliers out there, and one in particular is uh, Lagavulin, because their low wines or spirit still is larger than the wash still.
0: So is that just you know what's the reason for that? That they
1: absolutely no idea, and also even more peculiarly is. You were saying the convention would be that you would fill the stills to about half, two-thirds full. Lagavulin are another outlier again because have they've got this huge low wine still and they fill it almost to capacity. It's somewhere in the region of 23,000 litres capacity and they, they're quite happy to put 22,000 litres of of spirit in it. That's or the,
0: well, whole yeah. wines
1: to make it to spirit.
0: That whole thing about how how much you charge your your stills was was quite fascinating and, and 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 really kind of highlighted to me in andrew jefford's book where he's he's got his tables of stats for each distillery and he makes a point i i think i'm remembering correctly he makes a point that khalila and lagavulin use the same spec malt they're both on isla use the same spec malt from port ellen have the same fermentation protocols by and large i think and one of the biggest defining factors between the two distilleries is, is how much the capacity of the charge differs in and how they how, how full they fill their wash and their low wines stills and that he he was pointing out leads to quite a drastic difference in the in the outcome
1: yeah because you're going to have that what we were talking about—the kind of volume to surface area thing again—and I, I, I wasn't absolutely certain about those figures. But I, I did make a note of this, and I found my note: Lagavulin, low wine still, twelve thousand nine hundred liters, and it's filled to a level of twelve thousand two hundred. So that that that's not a lot of movement of for expansion, is it? So
0: that's in the low wine still.
1: Yeah, that that's that's what they're running. And you know, the low wines of spirit still—they'll fill it to only 700 litres less than its
0: capacity. Wow.
1: And, well, I, I'd remembered, I was talking about Kalila as well. So Kalila's much bigger, 29,500 litres in their low-end spirit stills, but their charge is only 12,000. And actually, so that's a good bit less than half. Yeah. Whereas Lagavulin is nearly maximum. Wow. Does that explain part of the... Well, it, it it's just one of the factors, isn't it? We've know talked about there. something you do point at point one creates a different outcome, so you move to like step four, that then will have an, an outcome further down the line, and that that's just another example of it.
0: Yeah, I'm also wondering now why they came to those decisions. <laughs> I mean, historically, but if we went back fifty years, did we find Lagavulin fill into within 700 liters of capacity? If you go 50 years back before that, do we find the same charge level? I'm presuming that these things changed over time, but now I'm thinking, why? Why, why did it result in being so full? Obviously, it, it ticks a lot of boxes, flavour-wise and economics and process, logistics.
1: It's maybe a good point just to, to pause here because we've talked, we've got as far as what the stills are. We've worked out that they've made the copper, They come in many different shapes and sizes. Some are short and fat, some are tall and slim. Some have got different bits and bobs added, but whatever they're looking like, they've really got those three components to them. You know, the bowl, the neck, and the line arm. That's maybe where we could pick up in the next round and maybe a chance for us to charge our glass and raise a wee dram to the the distillers.
0: Here, here. Here's the distillers. Thank you.